In a world full of movie podcasts, here is one more. Welcome to Defend Your Movie with Sean Donnelly and Andrew Fiore. The time has come again. The champion must And welcome to another edition of Defend Your Movie. This is one of your hosts, Andrew Fiore. I am joined, as always, by my friend and very funny comedian, co-host Sean Donnelly. Hello there, Andrew Fiore. Great to see you, my friend. I know. We took a week off because of, uh, that was my fault. I was not feeling well. I couldn't record last week, so my apologies. Andrew is nothing but professional. I am the one who (laughs) chickened out on a week of taping, so my apologies if it it set you back. Listen to the old podcast. That's Uh, all right. We replayed a fun one. It was uh, with Greg, and I forgot how much of a a hijinks prankster he is. Oh, he's so, he was so frustrated. (laughs) He's so freaking funny. I got caught up listening to my own podcast, and I was, it was so funny. When he asked me, he's like, can I just take a sip of your water? And he drank my whole water. Yeah, I know, yeah. Which is such a hilarious... <laughs> he's like fucking eight. He's like, he really he's a, is. a giant and Italian eight-year-old. It sent him into hysterics. Yeah, he's the funniest man in the world. Yeah. <laughs> Such a silly goose, that man. Uh, we are back this week, and uh, it's great. I missed you, man. I haven't seen you in a couple weeks. We've been on the road, and we've both, we couldn't tape, obviously, as we mentioned last week. So it's been a while. It's been a while. I missed you, too. Should we tell people, should we make the announcement of where we're going to probably tape an episode next week? That is a great idea. We, we are both doing the same road gig in yeah. beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada. Las Vegas, Nevada. We Shawnee will, and I, oh yeah, We'll be ahead. at the Comedy Cellar in Las Vegas, and we're going to tape an episode out there. I think it's going to be Las Vegas-themed episode. I give you think a that would be. And that would be the most yep. fitting. Um and uh, yeah, so so take a listen to that. But just we're going to spend a whole week together. We'll probably have tons of stories, <laughs> yeah, of we'll high drinks, yep. and maybe you know maybe some a couple of Chardonnays involved. Maybe we'll do a that. few. Maybe we'll do we knock out a bunch because we got some other funny comedians there with us. So maybe we can have some guests. And that's a good point. We'll see what happens. We should take a couple of them. At least one that'll be uh, definitely Las Vegas themed since we'll both be on the desert. Uh, it'll be fun. I'm looking forward to it. If you guys are in the area, please come and hang and tell us you're a defender. We'll uh, we'll do some gambling and some drinking. Yeah. And uh, us two will try and stay out of the sun as much as possible. <laughs> You are a very fair, a fair-skinned Italian me? man. You, I'm, me, I'm very fair, but, oh, I'm, but you're, I'm super yeah. Irish. I'm, but you're you're fairly fair for a for fairly, an Italian. I mean, yeah, I have the complexion of a urinal. <laughs> <laughs> Just a, to stand it on your forehead, it's a dinner plate. <laughs> I know people. Nobody believes I'm Italian. I well, you don't. You don't. But the, but Northern None Italians are, are North Italians fair, are fair skinned and, and, and fair haired. Yep. And then uh, yeah. And then my other. It's I'm literally the other half is Irish. So it's, you know. oh, there you go. Yeah, exactly. That's why. You're, yeah. That, so it makes sense. But uh, yeah. So stay tuned for that. That'll be fun. But we've got a real fun one that I've been looking forward to. I was so amped and ready to go last week. I know. Uh, that's why I apologize. So the, the, the uh, I'm even doubly excited this week. But um, so before we do, do you want to talk about the movies you saw or no? Yeah, I was on the road this last weekend, so I knocked out a few movies. I watched uh, a documentary on Netflix. I don't know if 
you've ever seen it or heard of it. It's called Jack of All Trades. No. Is this the baseball card yes. one? I've heard about this. I was on the train going to my gig, and I just was flipping around Netflix, and I saw it because it checked off all the boxes for me in terms of the guy was the same age as me. I was a tremendous baseball card slash hockey card collector. Were you really? And I still have them. A large part of the film is based around the 1989 Ken Griffey Jr. Upper Deck I remember that. Which I have the box set still in its uh, original wrapping. Not even had open. And part of it was just a fun, nostalgic thing to go back to, uh, joined with... How useless all that's worth now. It's how well, is it, is it's it just down to zero? Zero. Like, because you wow. go, they go into it. They just it, started printing them. They printed so many, it killed the market. They flooded the market with so this. So, for people who don't know, the, the big thing was there was the, this Ken Griffey rookie card. That yeah, was 89. Out. Yeah. 90, 91. I mean, the market for baseball cars and baseball collectibles and all that stuff was through the roof. Roof. It was insane. It was like the boom. And it was like, it was one of those things where, like, the, the, the baseball card phenomenon, it wasn't our generation that started it. It was like our dad's generation that started it. Like, even back then, the, the cards from back then, but if you think about it, the reason the cards from back then were so valuable is because there wasn't that many of them left. Exactly. That's the main point, is that because... They the market was created out of demand for a rare commodity. Yes. So so you say everybody starts saving every, exactly. So people thought, well, this is going to happen again, but we're going to be smart about it this time. I'll hold on to these cards for thirty plus years. Thirty years later, there's still a million other of copies of those cards out right, there. Right. So there's no market for it whatsoever. And I feel like that time period, like like. People try to do it with everything. Because my mom bought... Remember Mike Liam Black to the voice of the Pets.com uh, puppet? The, 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 the dog, whatever it was, like a dog Vaguely. or something? It was, it was him doing it, like interviewing people like man on the street. And my mom bought the stuffed animal of it. And she was like, this is going to be worth a lot of money. <laughs> and I remember being like, really? And I remember... like, That's it, your mom's I, 401k? I remember, I remember, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember the package breaking and me being like, oh, now it's not worth anything. Oh, really? And it's just not worth anything. It's not worth yeah, anything. I mean, but I totally bought in. I was, uh, I was a perfect age... Uh, 1989, 90, I was 11, 12 years old. Uh, it was my life. Yep. Cards were my life. Yeah. I bought a bunch of baseball cards back in the day. I had so they many had, cards. I had baseball, hockey. They I have Don Russ. They had Tops. Don and Russ. Upper, upper Deck. Tops. Was, upper up, Deck came along. It's funny how they just get in. They go, Upper Deck wasn't anything special. They just kind of marketed them themselves that way, and people bought into it. You know what it was? It wasn't that the one with like the, uh, the, the, the not translucent, but the hologram border yep. Yep. and the, the little diamond. One. They had a little diamond on the back, yep. like a, a hologram diamond. It looked, it was a fancier card. Yeah. They probably cost, beyond, to be honest, they probably cost like 50 more cents to print, like or whatever it was. Well, they get printing. into that a lot. They, they oh, have really? the guy who designed the Ken Griffey Jr. card, and he goes, uh, I'm not saying what we did was illegal, but it was definitely not ethical. Like mm-hmm. the way they kind of purported themselves to have X amount of Ken Griffey Jr. cards on the market. The ratio of which they, how many they actually printed, was so many more to what the collectors thought were out there. Wow! So, so that's why, lied. yeah. He goes, "We were printing money." He goes, "Bus, I by us printing those sheets of Ken Griffey jars, we were printing money essentially because they were selling them." Wow! Yeah, because they didn't let on. So basically, they it probably was illegal, but I don't think anybody was regulating. I don't think it, it is illegal because all they're doing is printing the cards. <laughs> yeah, if they, unless it's a thing where it's like when stocks they have we a thing called misleading the shareholders where you where you uh, I think but there's really nothing like stock, that. There's no thing policing that. So it was, but nothing police. Yeah, there's no SCC. Yeah, for, exactly. That's why for he was, cards. He had a good word choice. He was like, it's not illegal. 
it's probably not ethical. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly, exactly. Because I think that I think that is a thing where it's like misrepresenting the value of a stock. Yeah, yeah, it's like totally. you can go to jail for Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. But, so, but I heard that like my, my roommate saw it. Robert Dean, very funny comic. He saw it. He told me about it, and he said that it becomes a totally different movie right in the it middle. Does. Of it. it becomes about this guy who is the son of the major. Uh, basically, the king of collecting cards and all that stuff. In but he had Canada. a memorabilia shop, right? He had a memorabilia shop. It was like the most popular one in Toronto. And essentially, after he sold the shop, he just left his wife and kids. And so you see, uh, uh, spoiler alert, whatever, uh, them reuniting like 30 years later. Because he's doing this documentary about the collectibles and the baseball cards, so it's kind of a it's very interesting. I didn't like love it. I didn't hate it, but it was good. It was like it, it caught me because I was I was one of those people. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. No, I hear you, and I I would check it out for that reason because I was the same way. I was like. I was buying packs of like I oh. remember buying packs of um, my life, dude, of movie cards. Like they had when Batman came out, they had Batman cards. Yeah, uh, how they had Howard the Duck cards. I know. I remember me and my sister, we were at like a family party once, and down the block from where they were, Garbage Pail Kids. The Garbage Pail Kids was huge, huge. But down the block from the party, there was this stationery store that had a bunch of these boxes of cards, and we just kept getting money and going back to buying more packs of these useless cards. I can think of four. Shops in my town alone that had enough collectors. Fat Moose, comics and games. It just you know. Yeah, we had one one place called Rare Coins. That's yes. the place that when I was older we played Mortal Kombat two at. They had the <laughs> arcade version of Mortal Kombat two, but they were known for Rare Coins and collectibles. So they had all the baseball card stuff. Yeah, and whatever it was, and I think it was some other a place closer to my house that had a bunch of collectibles. I just can't think of it, but it 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 it, it was like a it was like an industry. I had every Gary Carter uh, Gary Carter card up until uh, like nineteen ninety three. So what industry everyone. that survived? The autograph memorabilia that's I don't what know. survives. I, guess. I don't know. If they still have that. They have like they have that mall maybe. sometimes. Yeah, maybe autographs. Because <clears throat> if, if baseball cards are dead, because it's funny, you autograph don't really- is rare. Because if it's real, it's authentic. That's a definite thing that could be worth something because of how rare that is. You know, there's that. There's not one million Angelina Jolie autographs out there to flood the market. Right. You know, it's probably still a pretty rare commodity. So right. I can see that. I can see autographs. Being. That's what I mean. But some of them, some people sign a lot. Because I, I remember I'll watch like Pawn Stars. Yeah. And they have, they'll always talk about who signs a lot and who doesn't. It has and to And apparently be. Paul McCartney doesn't sign that much. Oh, really? I, that's what I heard. I think Paul McCartney. Smart. John Lennon either. There's a barely any John Lennon. Huh. I'm kidding. He's dead. <laughs> well, I thought maybe at the time. At the time, yeah. I'm just fucking around. So yeah, I haven't seen one in a while. Yeah. And they haven't popped up in a long time. <laughs> um, but... The point being that, yeah, that, that the only reason that uh, the autograph stuff is popular is because of demand. And you're yeah, right. Yeah. If people, the, the people, the, if the people who sign, they probably some of them are aware of it and they want to keep the value of their autograph up. Totally. So they just don't sign a yeah, lot of yeah. stuff. But then you have other people that you'll see. They'll be like, like the uh, Civic Center, that the guy who played, you know, the son on Alf or something, and then he'll be signing, <laughs> yeah. but he'll charge people ten yep, bucks a yep. pop. But that's not worth shit because there's a million of that out there. Oh, dude, it was hard. I opened up for uh, Jake the Snake Roberts one time, and he stayed around and talked to every single audience member after the show, but was selling autographs like eight by tens. It was really hard to watch. That was it's brutal. Yeah, he was like my he was like my favorite wrestler. I know, me I too. And then like. He, I, I was leaving the club, and I just see him like walk to a, like a, his Toyota and just like open the trunk and. Uh, it's just like, it was heartbreaking. Well, those those to watch. guys got so fucked over. I know, they got was, so, I, 
Well, but, he also, uh, I, I saw that Beyond the Mat thing. Yeah, so yeah. He's also crackhead. He's had an excellent stuff. documentary. It's great. Also, by the way. If you yeah, have. watch Beyond the Mat if you haven't. What's your favorite? We should do a documentary one. Defend your documentary. Oh, that's a great one. Defend your doc. Defend your doc. I was going to ask you, what do you have any famous autographs? <laughs> I have, a, I have a couple really good ones. Do I have any famous autographs? No, none that I think I capped. I don't. Um, uh, I have a I have a lot of athlete ones. I what do you really? Do I, you have have? A, I have a Phil Rizzuto. Oh really? I have a, a Rizzuto. Phil, Phil Rizzuto. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. I have Carl Banks. I have Daryl Strawberry on a baseball. I met Daryl Strawberry in a baseball. I met him at the King Supermarket in Marstown, New Jersey, when I was eight years old. And your mom? Did your mom bully her way to the front line? No, Ben Murphy's mom did. We just, she, she didn't bully her way. She just kind of told us to cut, <laughs> and we just like did. And nobody said peep to the two little nobody eight-year-old says, kids. There's a picture of I, my mom has the picture of me and Ben at the front of the line. Oh, that's and, funny. Yeah, but and then uh, my my best one is uh, my mom gave to me. Um, from her dad gave to uh, my dad my her grandfather my maternal grandfather her dad was a huge Yankees fan so also I got my Phil Rizzuto one he was saw Phil Rizzuto in an Italian restaurant at the Jersey Shore went up to him and asked for his grandson it's on a restaurant receipt check oh that's funny and uh, it says to Andy holy cow Phil Rizzuto <laughs> oh my god yeah it's great and, uh, Wait, is it, that was a frame now? I have it my mom has it somewhere but the other big one is that Joe DiMaggio had a restaurant in San Francisco where he's from. Is the Joe DiMaggio restaurant? And my mom has a menu with Joe D's signature on it that she's she's like, this is going to be yours. Wow! Yeah, she showed it to me like a couple times. That's pretty crazy. And yeah, so she's like, I'll hold on to it though. My my dad. I had a Michael Jackson book when I was a kid, <laughs> and I think my dad faked a Michael Jackson signature in the book. <laughs> And he gave it to me with, with Michael Jackson. Maybe not. No, no. It's, <laughs> let's be honest. That, that went down in value a long time ago. Actually, that might be worth something. But um, yeah, fun, fun nostalgia watch. You gotta check it out. Check out the uh, the, the they have a ton of documentaries on. Yeah, but even, even HBO had. A, I started watching. I watched that Big Hack one. I already talked about that. Didn't see that. I talk, that you didn't see it. No. It's pretty. Scary. It's like this girl in it. There's one. Okay, so it's about Cambridge Analytica, which is the yep. company that gave the data to Ted Cruz's campaign and Trump's campaign. Yep. But the the woman who was kind of like their middleman, like in the company, was very very smart at online uh, data farming and 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 basically the algorithm and and stuff. It'd be like the yeah, social yeah. media just guru. The way she started out was she worked for the Obama campaign and, that, and helped Obama win. And then they, and then they hired right, right. this company and she fell. She drank the Kool-Aid with this guy who ran Cambridge Analytica. Cambridge Analytica's parent, I, found, I learned this from the doc, their parent company was a mil- is a military company. It's like a, it's not Lockheed Martin, it's its own thing. It's like uh, CSI or something. Yeah, yeah. And, but it not, or CS something. But it comes from mil- all military based stuff and this was like a subsidiary of them and it was a private private company but a subsidiary of a military company yeah that shit's crazy so that's why all this stuff they don't just do it here they do it all over the world oh I know yeah all the tentacles of the but then they went out of business they went bankrupt because of what happened right because this guy like I don't know if he ended up going to jail the CEO and he's just the guy was just when you realize as you're watching it like you're like oh he 
when you're watching, you're like, I don't think he knew what was going on. He really, he probably believed his own his own hype, and he thought like, hey, we're we're just in the in the future here, and this is what we can do online. But I don't think he knew the ramifications of what it meant for the future. Right. So one of the one of the facts to scare you in the movie, what they say early on in the movie is that right now we all have if if you use the internet the normal amount, email, all that, you have five thousand markers that identify you to 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 these these hackers or these trolls or whatever. Oh boy, five thousand. Your people. Our age, their kids when they're grown up will have. Good, I, I kind of need a pop on the road. <laughs> um, yeah, right, exactly. No, it doesn't it doesn't turn like the Instagram followers? It turns like the empty yeah. bank accounts. So, and then the, our kids would be oh, seventy five thousand markers. Yeah, wow, seventy five thousand ways to identify you. Either and I think it's different ways. I think it's like actually literal type stuff where it's like your name, your address, that kind of stuff. Right. But also like, are you on the fence about voting? What do you like to shop? What do you, yeah. like, you like boots. You love boots. Like like stuff like that. I believe I think it, it's, man. I think it's just these personality markers that, of course. that form the person. You know, just a digital version of you. Yeah. You know? But you don't realize you're doing it because you're paying for stuff with your cards. Yep. It's electronically going on your on your on your, your, your digital footprint and it's carrying you around everywhere. Yeah, yeah. And if somebody's smart enough, they're figuring out, they're forming you as a person and being like, we can get him to vote our way if we start flooding him. Because that's what they were doing. They were flooding all they cared about. They could mark everybody in the country 5,000 ways. All they cared about was marking the undecideds. That's mm-hmm. what they wanted. Mm-hmm. I think they called them that even. The undecided, whatever, something similar to that. And that's what they wanted to be like, we're going to fucking, almost like Clockwork Orange, your eyes are open on your monitors. <laughs> yeah, the and we're just going to, yeah, we're just going to, you know, hold them open and, and show you, uh, you know, anti-Muslim things, anti-this, anti-that. Or if it's, you know, if you're working for somebody else, we'll show you the opposite of what they, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. whatever works. So it was pretty, it's interesting. We're going to check it out. Yeah. I will check it out. Yeah. And then I just watched, uh, I watched Long Shot and Us. I made some catch up. What was, oh, how was Long Shot? Long Shot was Seth Rogen and Charlize Theron. And it was fine. It was pretty funny. It's like, I feel good, like it was, if this was 10 years ago, it would have been Katherine Heigl in the movie. Yeah, exactly. Like after Knocked Up. But you kind of realize how, uh, I really have always enjoyed Shirley's Theron's body of work. She's awesome. She's great. Yeah. I remember her like really having a great Saturday Night Live hosting episode. I was like, oh, she really put herself into it uh-huh. and let herself like get made fun of. So she's, that always goes a long way with me. When you're able to like, make have fun a- of yourself yes. and you really throw yourself into that role. Absolutely. I remember she did like a Mr. Peepers thing where she like really got into it and they were like eating food out of each other's mouths. I was like, yes. oh, she went for it. I and she's that. this beautiful woman who is not afraid to like let her guard down. She is like beyond beautiful. Apparently, when she when she first got discovered, she was like, oh yeah. I mean, she's most, still yeah. She's unbelievable. And then, um, what is the young adult? Is that the one with Pat Oswalt? Like, she's yes. done some really cool like indie, indie stuff. stuff. Like, so she's like an actress. Yeah, she's, yeah. And uh, she's great. You don't necessarily believe that they would get involved as romantically as they do. You're like, that's kind of a mismatch between Seth Rogen and So Charlize you believe Theron. it more in Knocked Up than you do in... She in- is a secretary. She's Secretary of State. Yeah. And she is making a bid to run for the presidency. And she remembers that she used to babysit for Seth Rogen. They, they randomly meet at like some fundraiser. He's like this just recently fired... Stoner, uh, you know, guerrilla journalist who's really, you know, like, you know, leftist, whatever, but has written some decent things that she likes. She hires him as a speechwriter. The love story flourishes from there, and they have yeah. the ups and downs. So it goes your it's normal. It's a pretty uh, formulaic movie, but I enjoyed it. It was a Sunday afternoon on the road watch. Yeah, and it was fine. I, 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 I enjoyed it. And how about us? Us, us? I heard it's terrible. 
I didn't love Get Out, which I know I, that makes me a terrible person. No, not at all, but I, I did love Get Out. But I liked Us a little bit better as a horror movie than Get Out. Really? Yeah, I liked it as a horror movie better. But I heard... It was scarier. I didn't think Get Out was scary. I think people were afraid not to like us. I, I think, think that so. Happens. I not, think 100%. I think they didn't want to... Because of, of the, the reception of Get Out, I think they didn't want to admit, like, right. sophomore jinx, this guy, he just didn't make a great It movie. was fine. It was a little muddy and convoluted. Like, I heard there's a lot of holes in it. I had to look up some stuff afterwards and be like, oh, right. If I didn't look that up, that would have gone way over my head. Yeah. Because, yeah, but... It was fine. I don't know. I, I don't see what the big deal about his movies are. I love Keen Peel. I love Keen Peel's a sketch show. But I think he's just a little overhyped for me. Get out. I, I didn't love Get great... Out. I thought it was okay. It's oh, okay. It was a slow was... bit. He's got a slow burn to his movies, too. He does. Uh, but Get Out, it works perfectly, I think. And the tension. Maybe I'll watch it again. The buildup of the tension. Um, I think it's funny. I think they do. Um, the whole white, the white, the white people like the way the white people act around black people thing. I think it's done oh, yeah. super funny That's, and super accurate. Yeah. Like, you know how like they have sketches where, where white people are like over the top, totally being weird. Like if I, I, I would vote for Obama a third time if I could, you know, right, like, making right, a right. point to see. But it. this, there, it's very subtle. It's like more subtle than that, but it's so apparent when you're watching it. Like there's the beats they have, yeah, and get out. I oh, respect. Oh, you're right. He does say that. I'll, I'll vote <laughs> yeah, for yeah. Obama. You're right. He does say that. Yeah. I respect Jordan Peele though. Like, he's a historian. Like he knows his stuff. He knows his movies, and you can tell. You can see references. You can see nods. Uh, you can see throwbacks. Is that in us? They have it in us. There's, I noticed a few. I noticed the Jaws. I noticed the Shining. Um, there's got some cool uh, Easter eggs. I guess you could like. There was a copy of Chud on the shelf. Oh, which really? Yeah, cannibalistic humanoid underground dwellers. Yeah, which was fun. And uh, so I appreciate. And he's a big horror. He's a student of horror. You know, I was watching the business of horror that Eli Roth. Uh, miniseries I guess and he was on it a lot speaking to oh, really? it was great so yeah it's like you know I'm a horror guy so I like that stuff especially um, from people who really know that side of the movie making yeah so well you know what it is that's why I like Get Out so much because you know me I'm not a horror guy. I know and Get Out was like more thrillerish and yeah. it was creepy and it was like uh, it was and it was really entertaining Us is, uh, it, I don't know I liked it all right, let's Didn't go. Hate it. Let's go to the uh, the old the old what? Let's go. <laughs> that's that's old timey AM radio right yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you want to go to the, 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 the meats and the potatoes? Let's go to the meats and potatoes. Oh, unless you want to tackle this one, we had a uh, a write in uh, from the Twitter from the Defend Your Movie at Defend Your Movie uh, MCC Marthy. So Mick K Marthy. Right, so, and Matt is your name. Thank you for uh, you know listening, Matt, and we appreciate you uh, reaching out. If you guys ever have anything like this you want to address to the Twitter, we'll go through them and try and take one of the best ones and address it on the show. Absolutely. Uh, so Matt writes, Gary Oldman is a terrible actor. Agree or disagree? Oh, um, false. I disagree. I disagree. I, I 100%, but he didn't give any, any examples, right? I understand where he's coming from, though. I, that uh, makes sense to me. I disagree with it. Is he saying as Commissioner Gordon because he's, no, he's just, just a terrible actor across the board? He gave no other details. Mm, no, I don't think that's true. I think that would tell me why. I, I don't. I'm trying to think of examples. I, the only thing I can think of is maybe True Romance. Where he's overdoing it, but I think that's what no, that character was meant to be. Howard's supposed to be a fucking cornball, right? He's supposed to be a delusional guy who's, who's a white dude who thinks he's a black dude. 
Do you know how hard that is to do, too? Yeah. Like, if you have to do that? He's, in, he's wearing dreads on a freaking... I mean, come on, dude. Commissioner uh, Gordon, he's so fucking... He's... Commissioner he Gordon... He won the Oscar for Winston Churchill, I think, in I The think, Darkest he, Hour. Yeah, I think he did. And I think you could say... The, JFK? Commissioner Gordon, you could say, is maybe a little bit melodramatic, but it's a comic book movie. He's, he's playing the, the role. Of course. Um, but I, no, I thought he was good in it. I, I'm trying to think what... I, so I disagree wholeheartedly, but so I can be convinced I, of stuff sometimes. I get it. Like, I understand where he may be coming from. And I don't know if uh, that's his actual sentiment, but... He's great. The professional is great. Oh, he's, yeah. he's a bad, great, badass villain. Like he's crooked great. cop. He's a Case cop. Closed. He's a cop. He's a crooked <laughs> cop. He's like, no, 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 let him me out. He's a cop. He's a crooked cop. <laughs> Godfather. A pretty know. good, pretty good impression. I'm telling people out there they know what I'm doing. Crooked cop. He's a, he got his jaw wired shut. He might just like a story like that. Exactly. They just might. Don't we have, now, now, Tom? Don't we have people on newspapers? Might like a story like that? They just might. <laughs> <laughs> he's a cop he's a crooked cop did I say on the podcast what my, my new favorite line in the movie is oh I'd love to hear this my, I think I told you this well I talk, Well, it actually fits into the meat and potatoes so when we get to that movie I'll say what my favorite line my new, one of my new favorite like under underestimated under under um, oh I can't wait you know I yeah. love a deep cut yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> I love it and it's by a great actor who I'll, I'll talk about All I, right. I don't think I brought it up on the show yet but it, it involves one of the movies that it, it's in my top two of. Uh, I'm so excited. We're, now we're now we're onto the meats and potatoes. Let's I'm put it that so way. excited. So this week we decided to uh, go off the rails a little bit and discuss. We're going to defend your opening. We're going to defend our favorite opening scenes. Uh, we didn't put a cap on it. I have like 13 or 14 here that I wrote down. And as I was going through my list, I go, oh, this is really hard to narrow it down. So I didn't do it in any order. No, you don't have to narrow it down. We can, I didn't even do it in order either. I just jotted down as I, I just thought of it. Exactly. And we can just go down our list and we can see what you, what would you like to do? Do you want to go see which ones we have in common first? Or do you want to just go one for one and yeah, go back and forth? I think one for one. One for one. Because inevitably we'll have some that we both agree on. And you're so excited about this. I want you. I would like you to start off, my friend. All right. Well, I'm going to start with one of my favorite scenes in my favorite movie of all time. It's the opening of Jaws. It's the bonfire. It's Chrissy Watkins. Oh. It's the first time you hear that music. It's nights. It's at night. It's the thrashing. It's scary as hell. It's super and scary. And it's just that it, the first time you hear. If you can place yourself, I know we've all seen it a billion times now. So it's hard to not get jaded by hearing that music now, but you remember the first time you heard it just creeps in the, yeah just the first time you go ooh shutters also I'll tell you this wonderfully shot wonderfully yeah. dark night shot scene perfect you can Beautiful. make out everything like you know what I'm saying how many times in movies they shoot, shoot at night or they shoot dark scenes and you can't make things out or it's kind of confusing yeah. you know they'll have like navy seals coming up to a thing like, and it's just like this is a mishmash of shadows it's so and great and that you can definitely everything's clear cut especially when she's getting pulled around you know exactly yeah. what's going and on you don't see Bruce yet you know yeah it's, it's, but it gives you an idea of what the movie is without even uh, while starting off yeah uh, and it's also there's a point where in the even just the it's terrifying because even that point where she's breathing heavy it's terrifying it's terrifying it's a really great the first time, scene the first time you just dip there's just yeah she just gets tugged yeah. down yeah, you're yeah, just yeah, like yeah. what the hell's going on <laughs> <laughs> so that just seemed like a layup for me because I, it, I love it so much absolutely uh, I started off with a light one I think this is uh, I, I, I was trying to like trying to mix it up I'm like what comedies also have great opening scenes I was trying to think of that too Tommy Boy 
Ooh. Great opening. He's late for the class and he's running through the thing. Great things. one. Gives you a great precursor of what the movie's about. It's <laughs> great physical comedy. It's, you know, it's, it's great and a great. The first show, showing of uh, Holy Shnikes, whatever it is. Yeah. Whatever it is. And a great time jump, too. Yes. Really perfectly done. Yes, absolutely. Because it, it juxtaposes <laughs> him as a kid and him as a Really adult. good one. Good pick, I right? I was trying to think. It's uh, almost all mine are dramatic, but I, I was really trying to think. That's a great one. It's, it's, it's a great opening scene. Because it's funny. The and first it's like, shut up, Richard. It's like the... Exactly. <laughs> yes. Know? And it's the perfect... Um, Opening credits thing because you're shooting. You have an action yes. shot of him running as a kid and yep. adult, and while the opening credits are going, so it's like a mindless opening scene, but it also gives you an idea of really the good. whole movie. They kind of spell out the whole movie in that opening. Yeah. Not that it spells the whole movie, but you know what I'm saying. Like it gives you an idea of <laughs> who that dude is. Like yeah. you know, absolutely. He, you're like if you don't know who Chris Farley was, you know who he is by the time he's oh really he smacked his head. Really good times. pick. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna go with uh, well, this one's a. Another, I basically thought of all my favorite movies, and then I was like, "Yeah, they all have great openings." So, yeah, well, you a lot of classics have. Where that. my current list of top ten, uh, you know, movies is at number two. My second favorite movie of all time is uh, Cool Hand Luke, and yeah. I don't know if you're exactly familiar with it. I'm not familiar. It with the starts opening. with a parking meter close up, and the violation pops up. It's a red tag. It's a violation. Yeah, and it's Luke. Uh, using that big wrench to cut the heads off the parking meters. And it cuts up violation. And then you see him kind of walking and going in a 360 circle and cutting another one off. And the violation pops up again, which I think is really cool just because that, what he's doing is just kind of setting up the metaphor of Luke as yeah. it's like a loser, as like it just can't win. He can't win. It's violation after violation after violation. That's his whole life. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. And it's just, and then I love how it just ends on the, uh, him, he's leaning a back, he's leaning back on one of the parking meters. The cop comes up and, you know, it's just, what, what are you doing? Just, you know, cutting the heads off parking meters. And then it just flashes that Paul Newman smile where you're like, <laughs> you can be the staunchest heterosexual man <laughs> on earth. But if that smile doesn't get, I mean, it is just that. And they address it with that old Luke smile. And yeah. then that, that like beautiful acoustic guitar score kicks in yep. and just kicks off the movie. You know, I just Absolutely. love it. I love it so much. Yeah. No, that, that is a good. That's a really good one. I, I've only seen that movie once, so I always forget that. Oh, dude, I, 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 I have to watch it again. Really great nineteen sixties movie making. I uh, my next one. Oh, I have one that I just. I have to add to this. Add it. I'm adding it now. Uh, um, my next one, and this is one of my biggies. This is like one of my. This is this is one of the reasons that I wanted to do this episode. That I'm. Uh, my my two favorites are back to back on my picks. The next two picks. Oh, so we're going with the heavy hitters already. What's up? You're going with the heavy hitters already. Well, yeah, because that's what came up as I was drowning them down. I can go back to that if you want. Should I go back to it's it? It's your call. Because I well, here's, that- here's a biggie that has a great one. It's not the best opening scene, but it's great. Is I'll skip and go back to the other ones. Goodfellas. Yeah. Great opening scene. Because uh, it's like like once again starting with a hint of what what you're in store for um you have no idea what's going on they're in the thump. car Boom. they hear the thump and then just the the they open it up and then it's just this mess of this bloody billy bats and the, and yeah yeah die now now and then they stab him and then they shoot him <laughs> in the trunk just and the slow mo of the, the the muzzle going off on yep. the gun so it, it basically is like 
Jesus, right away, there's just complete, utter, sick violence yeah. right away. Semi- and you don't know that's going to be, like, usually you ease into that. And, yeah. and they're like, nope, right away, these guys, like, they're in the middle of something fucked up. That is in my honorable mentions. Honorable I mentions, wrote, okay. Four, I wrote four honorable mentions down, that is one of them. <laughs> it's part of the list for me. Uh, what's your next pick? My next one, I'm going to save some of my bigger ones toward the end. This one is, I think, a little off the board. I love the opening of Scream. The, the Drew, oh, yeah, the Drew the Barrymore. How great of an opening is that? Because that's it. She doesn't her only. That's her. That, remember also that was a that was. I think that was that nobody knew that was her only involvement in the movie, right? Of course, no, not until you saw the whole thing. Right. So that's there, but but they advertised her in the movie. Oh, right, right, right. So it's actually a great thing. I think it's a great trick they pull on audiences. Great trick. Meta in the fact that they're spoofing themselves. It's Wes Craven, and I love that they even have that own joke where it's like, "What's your favorite scary movie?" And she's yeah. like, "Nightmare on Elm Street." The first one was great. The next three sucked. <laughs> like, it's yeah, his yeah. movies, though. <laughs> but it does. They go, they go through all the tropes uh, and the stereotypes of all the ways uh, a character evolves or devolves or whatever happens in typical horror slasher films. Yeah, and. Then just the way of like him luring her out, it was just, and then the boyfriend you see, by you know, it well, was, it was, it's a great. The boyfriend's like disemboweled in the thing, yeah, right? he's he's like, out on the porch, and yeah. she's like, "I'm calling my boyfriend. He's a big scary football player type." He's like, "Turn on the porch light," and then you know, and then her parents come home, and he's, but she's already got like her throat crushed, and so she can't speak. Yeah, and she's like, "Mom, Dad," but yeah, it's, it's a great like it's fucked up. But and then you know, say what you want about Scream, it's kind of. Hasn't aged well, but like back at the time, it was a great horror. It was like a great resurgence well, it, for that it, kind of slasher movie. Yeah, it could and it was like up. a great fun take on it. It was. It was like the beginning of all those like dimension films, like those dimension horror films. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The Maramax's sister company films. So that they, it was supposed to be campy. It was supposed to be bringing it was, back it, that. Like I say, just giving like a new nostalgia. birth to that kind of style. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a great opening scene. Scream's great. Yeah, yeah. Scream's because because just even you say that just that you have somebody like Drew Barrymore and that's you kill her off in the first five minutes. Of the movie. I know. It's nuts or whatever that is. Ten minutes. Um. All right. I also have. Oh, did I? Didn't, oh, I didn't say my other one. I'm sorry, I didn't go to this other one. All right, there will be blood. Yep. And the reason for this for me is, um, and we've talked about it on the show before. And the most impressive part about this, it's not because of an action. It's not because of the violence. It's because you are mes- all they're doing. They're doing. They're they're pulling oil out of the well, and then the guy's head gets crushed. And all this stuff happens in the in the opening scene. But there's not one word without spoken a, without, a, without a single. And I'm ADD, dude. I'm I'm full on ADD, <laughs> and I watch that scene with as much intent, brilliant, and much intensity as I watched the entire movie. Yeah. So yeah, how fucking hard that is. Like to have a have silence for ten minutes. So much happens. So, so much happens. He adopts a child within like yeah. You know, he becomes a father. Without a syllable without, being uttered, exactly, and it's just—it's almost like watching a silent movie, and like how it would be to watch a silent movie, like a, how a well done, everything's spelled out. Yeah, because I think that's supposed to be like the point of filmmaking—is like by what you're showing, how much of the story can you tell just by what you show? So, 
I, I, from what I remember in my, my two film classes I took when I was going to school for film, like, uh, like, so the whole idea is like, whatever you can get done by showing something, you don't have to put that in the script. That hasn't been in the script. Yep. So the whole idea is like, if you, you, you have a guy who's selling apples, you put apples five cents next to a guy instead of him being like, I'm selling apples. Apples for sale. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know what I mean though? Right. So the fact that they did a 10 minute opening scene it's of this court. movie, yeah. and you're like, what is going on? But you're also like, I'm, I'm in. I'm in. I'm in right away. I'm 100%. interested. It's something you can feel something's gonna happen. The music, which is Johnny, uh, what's his name, Johnny, Johnny Greenwood, Johnny Greenwood, Apple from no it's Greenwood, oh, I think okay. it's Greenwood, and from Radiohead, and makes Greenwood. it makes it ominous, makes it fun yeah. to watch, adds adds just as much to it. Paul so, Thomas Anderson at his finest. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, uh, on my list. Up it's on your list. Top. Yes, yeah. of course. Yeah, because it's such an impressive feat. That's why I put it on. It's there. fantastic. It it's one of my favorites. Else done that. And even even I never saw the other one with um, Krasinski that he directed. The, the it's quite, be quiet. The movie. There's no there's no dialogue the whole movie or something. Oh, it's no that Krasinski directed that. That's not Paul Thomas Anderson. Yeah, Krasinski. Oh yeah. But I'm saying I've never seen that one. But I'm like, great. oh, there. Yeah, it's, I heard it's great. If you remember our uh, recap of 2018, that was on my top ten. That's right. I really enjoyed it. that movie. <laughs> Uh, another one. These. Well, I'll go off the board a little bit. Um, Robert Altman's The Player for the. What's for the opening scene of The Player? The, it's an eight-minute no cut. It's a all one shot. It's uh, it's The Player. If you guys remember, it is it's um, Tim Robbins plays a powerful movie agent gets a death threat, but we don't see that yet. We see it starts on the. Uh, on a movie lot and it just the camera just paces itself and follows all these different characters that you get introduced to for eight minutes without a cut it's beautiful like old school style making and uh, it's yeah it's like a they even have that one guy walk by and he's going you know movies nowadays it's all MTV and cut 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 so it's like you know it's 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 breaking they're, that they're way. saying like look we're not doing it's that. it on the joke of itself yeah and it's just a yeah it's just a really cool kind of in that Players good same movie. vein of there will be blood, uh, the long opening shot where I it's completely different, but it's no cuts and it's different dialogue and you have all the it's just that one of like you follow two characters and then somebody else comes in the frame and then the camera just started pans and follows that person and you get a little bit of their yep. you know what they're all about absolutely really great love that opening very famous scene yeah it's a great movie I didn't even I forgot about the opening yeah. Um, I have. I'll do this one. This is, I, I don't know if you'll agree with this one. All right, sir. Because uh, actually, no. I'll do this one after the other one. I'll do. Um, uh, Pulp Fiction has a great opening scene on my list. Is it on your list? Yeah. Honorable mention. Yeah. <laughs> it is. Pulp Fiction has a You've fantastic. Got two of my four honorable mentions. When it's Honey Bunny and Pumpkin at the diner. Um, like it's like quintessential what Tarantino used to be about was these, these these not a monologue but these really interesting conversations that you're like what is going on here you're you're they're talking about hey you came up with this bright idea of taking their wallets and so then you're like let's just rob this place here but you're and caught you're right away you're trapped right away it's zero to sixty right away yeah so I always thought because I remember the feeling I had when I went to go first see that movie and I was like what is this like right away you're like. I Hooked. don't even know. Yeah, and, and then it also kind of sets you up for how the movie is because you don't revisit that till the end of the movie, the very end, which is pretty genius. And you, I got to pee, and it kind of gets you. <laughs> yeah, it kind of gets you ready for the movie how it's told, where it's jumping it's around fantastic. like a novel. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, and also, you know, that movie's so fucking good; it's insane. So, and there's just a lot of, and then also, 
Uh, you know what's funny about the opening of that? Two, one, two things. Well, not funny. One is then the, the Dick Dale song when she comes out. Uh-huh. Any of you, mother? Like that is one of the, like I remember being like seventeen or whatever. Oh, yeah. like, that's so cool. It's, it's so the, yeah. Cool. I'll execute every last one. Oh of you. my god, that's the best. And the but you you know this the two times they have them do that thing. So they have the opening part where they go. All right, everybody, this is a robbery. Yeah. Any of you pricks prick, move, and I'll execute the last one of, one of you motherfuckers. Yeah. Later on, she says it different, and somebody asked him, that was this a mistake, and he said, no. The second way you hear it is how Jules and them heard it. So, it's and in life, like, you're not hearing everything exactly how it is. So, like, people make mistakes, you, you know, uh, you know, eyewitness what testimony is not worth anything. She's <laughs> great, I've had a plumber. She's awesome. But do you know what I mean? It's, it's you know, interesting that is, like, I'm a trying little, to think about it. I'd have to go back and watch it to get she it. She says, in the opening, she says, and I'll like, execute every, every last one of you motherfuckers. Okay, so they, and yeah. at the end she And at the end, she says, and I'll execute, um... Every one of you motherfuckers. Something like fucking pricks. Super. If any of you fucking pricks move, I'll actually. Yeah, yeah, I can't remember it off the top of my head. But it's something super slightly different. It's okay. not. It's not. You know. But it's. It, I thought that was interesting. That but he. I think huh. in an interview once or he a said what? way to get around a continuity. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But <laughs> I think. But but I think he like. Yeah, you're right. It could. It could have been that too. <laughs> well, uh, in sticking with the Tarantino franchise. Let's jump one before that. I have Reservoir Dogs on my list. So do I. I have it on my list, too. Just because, if not, I think Pulp Fiction... Once again, both back-to-back diner openings. Oh, yeah. Um, but just because it's the really first uh, full-on Tarantino film, you get his stylized way of writing immediately. Like, that's a Tarantino With the, movie from yeah. word one. You know what I mean? Absolutely. It's the it's the it's the Madonna. It's the like a virgin. It's the I don't tip. It's just brilliant. Also, it's he, so great, and the ensemble. It's hard not to love. It's it's a it's a it's also a um, hard thing to shoot, and they shoot it around the table the yeah. whole time, and they do it pr- pr- like like you said with the player shot. Like it's done pretty smooth the entire time. Like you're oh, not, it's you great. Know, it's kind of a cool looking thing. Uh, I was watching a video about Reservoir Dogs the other day. And one of the things that came up, there's like 26 things you didn't know about Reservoir Dogs, whatever it was. I do it on, I'll do it on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, Tarantino was going to play Mr. Pink. And then so when, when Steve Buscemi came in, he goes, I want to play Mr. Pink. Tarantino said, well, we're going to give you an audition. If you knock out of the park, then you, you'll play Mr. Right. Pink. And he fucking of did because he's Buscemi. He plays one of the guys. He plays Mr. Brown. Yeah, Mr. Brown. Um, but here's the thing. When he gives the, non, the non-tipping speech, I don't tip, that's him. That's a conversation that Tarantino had with Lawrence Bender, the producer. He doesn't, I guess, in, well, at one point in his life, he didn't tip, and that's the reason. <laughs> that's the reasoning that he gave was that whole speech. Isn't that fucking? You don't tip. What do you mean you don't tip? You don't believe it? <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> that's it. I mean, it's like having a Costello routine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that guy is apparently that guy was a maniac too. Because if you listen to the DVD extras, because I used to be obsessed with Reservoir Dogs and Tarantino. And uh, Chris Chris uh, Penn had a whole barbecue. Did you ever hear this story? Uh, I think I, I said on the podcast. Maybe you might. It sounds. And he invited all the, all the cast over, and he invites Lawrence Tierney over, and Lawrence Tierney wouldn't leave his house. <laughs> he just was like hanging out yeah, all night. Yeah, yeah. Everybody left by like six. Lawrence Tierney was there at like ten p.m. <laughs> Him and his that. wife were like, "Are right, we gotta get you out of here?" Like, <laughs> um, I'm at, uh, Remy Martin. <laughs> 
Um, I'll be hollering with the rest of you. He's so fucking great, man. So I'll give another one. I'll say this one. Master of the house. Elaine's <laughs> dad. What? I know. Tierney, I know. There yeah. it is. Um, what's his name in, in, in Seinfeld? Uh, don't tell me. He's Penn an is. author. Um, I know it. I just remembered it. Do you know it? Alton. Oh, yes. Alton Bennis. Alton Bennis. <laughs> wow, you're good. <laughs> that came to me and I wasn't confident in it. That was it. That was definitely it. Drivel. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what like, parts? Well, yeah, he goes, yeah, well, maybe some parts. What parts? <laughs> anyway, so the next one I have, this might be an unpopular pick, but I will say it's pretty great. It's pretty great action wise because if you want to go action. Dark Knight Rises. I knew you were going to say it. Dark Knight Rises. I know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Well, before, well here's the thing. Uh, spoiler alert. I have Dark Knight. as like, that's one of my top. Of course. That's like my top top. That Rises. and one other one. Remind me. Well, they're on the plane. And he's, oh, and, yeah. And that's Bane, a great opening. Bane sets it up. I think it's not giving us Nolan much to do. Nolan does Nobody those li- things so good. He does them awesome. Those, like, really hard... Yeah, think of Inception. The whole movie is one big. I know. You know, is one big action scene basically. After a certain point, it's just them trying to keep up with whatever next reality they're in the yeah, whole time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that, but uh, Dark Knight Rises, you know, they have that great thing at the end where like they chop the wings off the plane and then <laughs> straps himself to the guy. It's just really cool, cool. I think people don't like don't like the movie that much. That's why they don't talk it was about so it. So hard to come. From the ashes of yes. Dark Knight, it's really hard but it's to follow. a great movie. I love Dark Knight Rises. I think it's good too. I think they have that cool scene. Dark Knight Rises. Nothing to get off topic too much, but where Batman finally gets, you know, he's back, and then all the cops are like, he frees the cops, and they're all slowly, slowly walking up to the cat, like you know, the city, uh-huh. the city, um, capital building, whatever you want to call it, and then they see Batman fly over, and they go. Aah! Uh, yeah, and yeah. they just rush it and they just a bunch of them die but it was like really cool really really cool but Dark Knight Rises I think doesn't get as much that's why I put this on there really cool action scene and does not get as much do as it should like if it was not that movie it would have been that would have been one of the coolest scenes in a movie yeah because it's also a thing where it's like there's cool writing in that I, I, I love these little videos they have on YouTube and they show up on my Facebook sometimes it's like sta- uh, screen to, uh, page to screen <laughs> things where they'll show you the yes. script and they'll scroll it while they're showing the scene you know scene. where that's popular in, my, in Canada in Montreal that's where I like first start like at JFL oh really I, I you know you get whatever kind of Half the channels are in French, and I just found one uh, channel that was doing that, and I watched like four hours in a row. Oh, really? Of the screen, the script, to screen. Wait, so they'll do the whole movie? Yeah, they'll do the whole movie. Wow. Or they'll do like TV shows. It was always great. I've only seen just uh, famous scenes, like Few Good Men had one. I they love that. I love that stuff. Yeah, I love it. It's awesome because, dude, they skip a lot of dialogue oh, sometimes yeah. because of editing. But then also, like a Few Good Men. I think what's his name like just not ad libs but really just kind of paraphrases the whole chunk like it's it's pretty interesting Sorkin Sorkin no no he didn't write Few Good Men did he Sorkin? did Aaron Sorkin oh was Aaron Sorkin yeah. oh wow but but if you look at the look at the, the the page to screen thing you'll see there's some paraphrasing going on that Cruz between Cruz and and Nicholson in the in the you can't handle the truth scene yeah but anyway. Um, but they have they have a video of that for Dark Knight Rises, and there's a ton of cool dialogue while this whole crazy pl- airplane scene's going on. So I put it on there. I probably should have put it on there as an honorable mention, like you said. Like yeah, you have honorable mentions. But I think so. It's a good. It's a good. Uh, a good scene. Well, let me take one Christian Bale movie to another. One of my favorite openings, American Psycho. 
It's straight Christian Bale as the introduction of Patrick Bateman and just going, my name is Patrick Bateman. It's just got like kind of symphony, orchestral music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's very calming. And I've you seen going, it a couple his, times. I just can't remember the His morning routine. You know, he's showering. He's telling you about, I live in the West 80, I was in the American Gardens building on West 81st Street. And it's just a very calming, eerie voice. And then it's just a, a slight nod to the character. He's like, you know, he's doing his... Aerobics, and then he's like, I could do uh, a crunch now, I can do up to a thousand. And it's just like everything that sets up his character, and then toward the end, he goes, uh, You know, um, the music changes, gets a little more ominous, and it's just like, I'm not sure. I'm paraphrasing, obviously, but he's like, there, what is, there is no par- Patrick Bateman. He's like, There's an idea of Patrick Bateman, but I simply am not there. And then it just like goes into the it's it's a great like chilling opening. Wow. And you're like, oh really good opening to set up that character. Because yeah. you know it just leaves you with the feeling that go, Yeah, something's not right with that guy. I mean Sam Jenkins the Patrick Bateman guy? He's a little off. Yeah. A little off this guy. <laughs> Steer clear of the Patrick Bateman. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, you that's that's perfect. Cause, like that's what I mean. Like where it sets up like um if you're setting up a main character in the movie in the Opening scene, yeah, it's a great way to do it because yeah. it freaks it freaks you out right totally. away. And just, I, this is gonna sound weird, but it's a fun movie. It's a great, it's brutal a, but it's fun a, movie. It's brutal, yeah. It's very tongue in cheek and dark humor, but it's hilarious now, and but, it's great. Now I know this has been debated so much, but I always wondered. I've read. I know. I still, things, I still can't figure it out. The ending. <laughs> I think the ending of the book is what that he did it right. I don't know the ending. I, rem- I read it so long ago in high school. I don't remember the actual ending. But the debatable thing is whether it's all in his head or is... I like to think it's the what the latter, what I'm going to say, is that it did all happen. It's just that, that if you think about the whole movie, the movie as a whole, it was... Everything bad about the '80s was character was personified by him. So, like the bad music, and in the book, he gives like way more of those little spiels about, yeah, hey, Huey Lewis in the news, sports, while he's like donning a raincoat and getting an axe. Yeah, he's giving a, a movie crazy. review, but it's also awful music that he loves. Yeah, so it's like excess money, greed, uh, just like the bad music of the '80s. So he's kind of this homogenization of all those things and then for somebody to get away with axe murder uh, and like a, to, to be a serial killer but is still so rich and powerful enough where people just go don't worry about it it's taken care of like I, I like to think that that's actually it's so not they're, they're just ignoring all the horribleness ignoring yeah they just go that might well be... yeah but you are the vice president of, of you know oh because it's such a it's such a gaudy right shitty time yeah. that the, that's, that's interesting I like to I think, think that of that more, rather yeah. than all just in his head that always seemed like an easy way out where you're just in his head but you no know, but they, they use certain examples because also you just said that opening when you're like Patrick Bateman's an idea I'm not there I know yet. that's why it's always been heavily debated I it's like so so they think that isn't there a theory that he's not Patrick Bateman he's Paul Allen and like because Paul yeah. Allen goes yeah. missing the whole right. movie, right? right? But then he's like, oh, he, oh, no, he murders Paul Allen. Yeah. So it's like, did he murder, was he just Paul Allen? He murdered Paul Allen to become Patrick Bateman? I don't know. It's, it's like, it's interesting. I think that's interesting. But um, but it's a great, really great movie. good movie. Really good movie. But if uh, you I've know... i return t- some videotapes. Tweeted us if you, what you think the ending of that was. Yeah. But that's, that is, you're right. That's a creepy speech for the, the beginning so of the movie. It's so good. Movie. Um, I put this on here. This should have been an honorable mention as well. Okie dokie. Uh, Gangs of New York. Kind of Ooh, cool. Little, not on uh, my list. 
when they meet up for the fight and it becomes a big battle scene. And but it's like, you know, it's just it's just that that walk up is pretty uh, pretty cool to me. I don't know. If, yeah. I, I, I might have made a mistake putting this down. It's not the yeah, best, all right. But it's interesting. It's interesting to me. Could be an HM. <laughs> and I not interested. Uh, <laughs> uh, very a uh, nice ending to that too with the, going through the whole different uh, eras of the city. And you land on the Twin Towers, which is at least kind of nice. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what was I going to say? But yeah, that wouldn't be honorable mention. I thought it was a cool, you know, it was a walk up, and then, you know, they kind of spell out stuff as that. Uh, they, they kind of spell out the world out yeah. while they're walking up to fight. Uh, it gives you an introduction to, like, all the main players in the, in the movie. Um, and then I have my two, my two biggies. Would you have something else? Have- I have a couple more. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. Uh, these we talked about these last week, so like Raiders and we did a whole episode on Raiders and Last Crusade, so we don't have to get into it too much. But they're yeah, they're classic great Opening. movie openings. We know yeah. the Raiders with the yeah. idol, actually and we then, can't beat it. Yeah, yeah. But it, we, also, I'd be remiss if we didn't bring those up. Also, what else is done like that? Like so, first time that was done. Yeah. So Raiders, what are the first, and you just really like the first, first taste of that. Dun, 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 yeah. Dun, 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 you go. Ah, I love it. Just blockbuster. <laughs> yeah. Just absolutely blockbuster. Um, Halloween. Is on my list. It's not as you guys know from our live that's Halloween a, that's episode a, that's from a last phone. year. That's an in the house thing too, right? Or that's a. It's a. It's the first person. That you see that it's just. It, first of all, it's the. It's the pumpkin with the match inside it and the Halloween, and then it's just your first taste of ding, 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 that yeah, great yeah. score. So Scores good. don't get enough credit. For, well, I guess they get enough credit, but like how much they can punctuate an otherwise... Oh, yeah, we said m- it. ...middling scene. There will be blood. And, and, you know, it, it, so you don't know until the very end, the first person is somebody you see through the holes of a mask, and you see him kind of spying on this teenage couple yeah, making out, yeah. and then it walks upstairs, and you see it. you see this person murder a girl. And then it's not till you know a shot later that it's revealed it's her little brother. It's a little kid. It's young Michael Myers. And you just go, Jesus, that was unsettling. That's right. And yeah, that is fucked up. I, I always throw it in there. As you know, you guys remember our, we did our live Halloween episode last year. Uh, we did Halloween versus Psycho. I don't love. I don't think Halloween after that is that scary of a movie. I don't think it's really as terrifying as people. It's just kind of a as long, the opening. The opening is is the scariest part. It's kind of just like him. Walking around and looking at people, it's really not till the end where you you get the real meats and the potatoes of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> it always has uh, imprint in my memory because my older sister uh, is fifteen years older than me, so she saw that is as like a teenager, and we were like that. She was like. You always freaked me out because my mom would literally dress me up in like clown outfits like that for Halloween. So she was like, oh, "Yeah, he comes with the scissors, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. or not but the scissors." Yeah, I swear yeah. to God, I have cla- I have pictures of me as a little blonde boy. I looked exactly like Michael Myers, dude. And I had a sister that would have been like that age. She was like, "Yeah, it was the scariest." <laughs> She said what? She, she was like, it was you were this when mom brought you out in that clown costume. She goes, I, f- I fucking peed myself. <laughs> she was you just like, I always had one eye open. Yeah, whenever you were cutting things. It was a school, I mean, it, uh, school Halloween project. Yeah, yeah. You're like, give him the safe scissors, Ma. <laughs> Get the plastic ones. So that, well, one, that was funny. just kind of that was, that was a funny one to me because uh, as soon as... Uh, I think I was just watching it as we were adults with my sister, she, and she finally told me, and she was like, yeah, it freaked me out. Oh, that's funny. That's so funny to me. 
<laughs> and what's the other one you had? Or that was you had. Uh, um, I have I have two more, and then I have my other big. I have like three more, but we kind of already mentioned Dark Knight. So Dark Knight, and then rises. I have two other honorable mentions. Dark Knight, we didn't mention. Well, we kind of nodded to it. I mean, well, I'll tell you, it's Dark Knight. You want to say, I think that might be, is that your number one? No. Uh, yes. No. I don't know. <laughs> it's between two. I'll tell you my top two. All right. Do you want to save them for my? Yeah, okay. Because I don't think you'll have this on there. I have Raising Arizona. You know, I love Raising Arizona. Oh yeah. I, I love the montage mind. and the Carter Burwell music, the banjo and that. The yeah, yodeling. I love the music. It's so Arizona. great. It sets it up. It's just it shows their whole love story of how he's in prison. Yeah. Getting the pictures taken and going through parole and how they they form this relationship through the prisoner police. Uh, it actually takes care of like great. 15 minutes of narrative really in like 30 does. seconds. Yeah, you're right. And then, yeah, you don't see the title card until for like 10 minutes in until the music really kicks in. Yeah. And but it, God, a great man. Mm-hmm. Go back and watch Raising Arizona again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. But uh, I just love that, you know, yeah, you show everybody. And they go through like the, uh, they go to the fertility doctor. She's, you know, so much gets done in that opening. It's super quick. You're right. And it's just, uh, it's only their second movie. And you can, it's only their second movie after Blood Simple. Uh-huh. And that's, but that's the first movie you can see what these guys would kind of do. You can see in Blood Simple, but this one has more character to it. Yeah. Blood Simple is a little slower. It's drawn out. It's got M.M. at Walsh in it, and he's great. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I just, I love how they always use the same. Yeah, actors, so do I. You know? And he, you know, he's one of those guys that. I love when the directors have a, have their go to guys, yeah. like go to character actors. M. Emmett Walsh was one of those guys. He's the, M. Emmett Walsh is in the movie called Music of Chance, which, which James Spader and somebody else are pretty big, and it's a great movie. Uh, it's about a guy who loses a card game, and he's like, I mean, he's being an indentured servant. Yeah, like, yeah. But, but M. Emmett Walsh is like the crooked uh, cop in the town, I think, or something, something like that. I haven't seen it in a while, but that's like Paul Thomas Anderson. Using Ricky Jay as much as he could. Oh yeah, because nobody else used That's Ricky what, Jay. Most of my except favorites. for David Mamet, actually. David Mamet does too. Well, this leads perfectly into my next one because another filmmaker who does this kind of same thing is uh, Wes Anderson, and I love the uh, opening of Royal Tenenbaums. Oh, you're right. It's because it's just it's a storybook opening. It's, it's like, a storybook opening, but you've got the explanation of Alec Baldwin narrating. You've got that version of Hey Jude playing in the background it's like a harpsichord kind of yeah, opening yeah. and you learn about 111 Archer Street you learn about the Tenenbaum the family of geniuses and you see them as children and then it, it takes care of all that uh, build up that you don't need that you now see the present day Tenenbaum families in disarray yeah and it's just great it's just such a fun it's a cool, great re- opening yeah it, it also gives you you know like that's what's so great about all the ones we're mentioning they really do give you a sneak peek into what the movie is going to be like I know that's I know it's such a stupid thing to say but it's true though like like it gives you like if you want to see Wes Anderson universe watch that opening scene that's all you need to see like if somebody was like hey what are Wes Anderson movies like watch the opening scene of Royal Time right. Bombs and that's Wes Anderson it's something once upon a time in Hollywood could have maybe used as a device for a lot of that Rick Dalton to, clip stuff I think you're right to give them an idea that this is what we're going for yeah. this is what we're sh- I don't think they did that no. I have a thing now I should say this I'm going to go back and watch it again I am too yeah I, I'm going to go back and watch it again and yeah, see. of course you know, those movies always have to I've been watching so many things about it and reading so many articles <laughs> trying to get a grip on what I think of this fucking movie. And can I tell you by this? I'm not still not sold on that being a memory or a fantasy. It's a fantasy. That's what everybody's saying. Because oh, really? I think I was the first person to say that because I other fantasy. people I thought it was a memory. Me going, dude, that was a memory. 
Mike Harrington shouted. He goes, that's a memory. And I went, yeah, I think it's a memory. I'm back on my original thing now. I go, no, I think he made, I think he thought of. Well, they say it's a memory it again, because but. after it happens, they shoot back to him. They, 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 have, they go back to him and he goes, probably. Right. Meaning that that's what had probably happened. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and then you, know, you see there was a whole controversy from that scene with Bruce Lee. I people are getting mad that you're disrespecting Bruce but Lee. But that's why I go, well, no, it's. First and of all, people go, he didn't lose. It was 1-1. But people think of him as like, oh, you're beating Bruce Lee's ass. That wouldn't have happened. People. You're making him seem like a pompous ass. And it's like, no, you're it's a, a fucking, it's also his fantasy. It's also fictional. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, so when it comes to Royal Tenenbaums, you're absolutely right. That's a great opening scene. Brutally funny. And, you know, me, you and me do the, all the little royal lines to ourselves. <laughs> oh, they're so good. But I'm going to live. I'm going to live. He goes, Dad, you, you weren't sick, but I'm going to live. <laughs> <laughs> what a beautifully written line. The, one of the best things ever is when he sees when Gene Hackman... Gene Hackman... We should do a whole episode of Gene I Hackman. Just crushes. We'll have St. Germain on. St. Germain loves Gene Hackman. Uh, when he, he sees Owen Wilson climbing out the window, he goes, what's going on here? And he looks at it and he goes, hey, I know you, asshole. <laughs> and then Wes Anderson... Not Wes Anderson. Owen Wilson just reaches back. Like, he doesn't even yep. wave. He just reaches his hand. <laughs> He's all high and shit. <laughs> Great. Hey, I know you, asshole. Such a great movie. Really hard to pick out of those first three, my favorite one, out of Bottle For, Rocket, Rushmore. Well, and, Bottle Rocket, you can say, you know, Bottle Rocket was based on, he did like a 20-minute black and white version of Bottle Rocket, and that's what got him the, I think, James Conn involved to do like the, Bottle Rocket is, so, I love it. I, I love it, too. It's, it's set, so it's, great. It's this, it, sets, it plants the seeds. It's the best when he's, he goes, uh, they're at Bob's house, and James <laughs> Conn's, he's the, he, they, they always go to rob Bob's house. He goes, oh, he goes, he goes hello, Bob, you got a beautiful house. <laughs> it's like a precursor, like, we're going to rob your house. Yeah. Um, They'll never catch me, because I'm fucking innocent. No, <laughs> <laughs> you're not. But he's so delusional. Yeah, that's a great scene too. The and maybe scene. one of the greatest character names of all time, Dignan. It's just a beautiful name. It's great. Um, and then Rushmore is great. Tenenbaums might be shaping out to be my favorite. And me too. Yeah, there's so much good stuff in it. Uh, so that is it for my wife. When, when he goes back and forth with Danny Glover, and he goes, right, he goes, sit on it, right on. He's talking like, <laughs> I know it. He goes, you want to talk to Jeff? You want to talk to Jeff? I'll talk to Jeff. We mentioned Goodfellas. We mentioned Pulp Fiction. Uh, the honorable mention, I, I love the movie so much. Boogie Nights has kind of a fun opening when you kind of, again, what we were talking about, you kind it's of a party opening, you kind right? of meet the characters without meeting their personalities. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's just kind of that dance sequence. Yeah, it's at uh, uh, Louis Guzman's club. Yes. And, uh, it, yeah, it's, it, that's why I said it's honorable mention. Nothing, Hard to shoot. Nothing yeah, to exactly. shoot. Very kind of Scorsese-like. Kind of, um, yeah. kind of Kobe Kamanish a little bit. Yep, very much. And then I Not think, as hard as that, but, you know. Right. And I threw Godfather on there just because I love that uh, classic With coming guy, down in the elevator. I love that's a that. great shot. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and just the very the conversation about America. Were, were, you, were you the one I was talking to with the, the Sopranos recreated that when, oh, when yeah. Tony's mom dies? Uh huh. They, they, they the elevator shot. and everything, it's, right? It's, and then he goes. He even uses the line. He goes, "I'll use all my power and skills." And Tony goes, "All right, relax." <laughs> He's such a dick. <laughs> so he realizes, "Hey, take it easy." <laughs> I just we rock season three. That's what it is. It's so funny. He's a sociopath. I'm gonna kill myself. I really gotta take it. <laughs> sociopath. Do you want to explain? Explain that scene so people know what you're talking about. I'm gonna kill myself. That's uh, when he uh, the girl. The girl. It's Ralph Cifaretto's original girlfriend. It's Ralphie, and then she's like the art dealer, and uh, Tony starts fucking her, 
and he has to cut it off. He has to like end it, and then Tony's phone starts ringing. She's freaking out. In the yeah, hospital. she's freaking out. Well, uh, she she ends up like they're getting a fight at her apartment. Her hair catches on fire. Her face gets all burnt, and then she's in the hospital. And Tony goes, "Now I'm going to take care of all the bills. Don't you're going to worry about that." And she doesn't care about that. She just wants like his attention. She wants like, to be with him. Yeah. And uh, he's like, "Yeah, this yeah this has to end." And, uh, and she's like, "I'll kill myself." His phone rings right when she's saying, "If this ends, I'm going to kill myself." He goes, he just because I really gotta take this. <laughs> he just gets on the lead and he points to the phone. <laughs> Dude, I remember I was watching that one I, I I videotaped it on my phone and sent it to Shawnee because I was oh, watching one night. So it's so funny, funny man. That's <laughs> really the thing. The first time you go through The Sopranos, you go, that ah, was fucking insane. What a journey. The second and third times you watch it, by the third time you're going, this is the funniest show in the world. It's it's amazing. It's, it's amazing how funny. I told you my... I might have said this in the podcast. If I did, we can cut it out or whatever. The scene where they're at, they're at John, or whatever his name's, the other, the New York boss's wedding. Johnny Sack. Johnny Sack's yeah. daughter's wedding, right? And <laughs> Johnny Sack wants Tony Soprano to kill Rusty. They call him the little guy because he's like sh- the short guy. Right. It's Frankie Valley, I think. That's who I think. Yeah, the guy yeah. Is. And that's who, that's who plays him. And Fra- yeah, and that's Frankie Valley, right? Yep. Yeah. So he wants him to kill him, and he goes, I'm not doing it. And then he goes, he goes back over to Chris Montesanti and, the other, and then and Paulie Walnuts, and he goes, John wants me to whack, whack the little guy. And then, he, and then he goes, isn't there a thing where it's, um, he can't refuse a request? Around a Yeah, you can't refuse a request of his on, on his daughter's wedding day? And he goes, no, it's reversed. He can't refuse my request. And he goes, you should ask not to do this. <laughs> That's so great. <laughs> Paulie and Chris have some of the best chemistry and some of the funniest lines. Oh, it's so we good. We all know Pine Barrens is such a great one. What was his interior decorator? This house looked like shit. <laughs> my, other, my other favorite Paulie Walnuts line, I've told this to you a million times, is, when, is the Chris intervention. When uh, Tony's, it was right after uh, Piomine died, so he was like already all worked up about pets. Well, he always had a thing about animals, the ducks, yeah. the, the dog, the, everything. And Chris and his, you know, a heroin stupor sits on Cosette, the little dog. Yes, <laughs> you killed that little dog, and <laughs> Paulie doesn't know why. Because <laughs> uh, Adriana's reading her letter, she goes, "And hey, when you killed Cosette because you want drugs?" Tony goes, "You killed that little dog." And Paulie goes, "What was it barking?" <laughs> <laughs> Like that would be a reason but to kill the dog. But yeah, what was it barking? To them, it is like perfect character. What, what he would say? What was it barking? Was it barking? <laughs> All right, let's get anyway, to, let's get to our biggies here. Uh, my last two biggies: Inglorious Bastards. There we go. Inglorious Bastards. That's one. Of, that's my top. That's one of my top two. Yeah, I knew our top two would be the same. Yeah. Well, our t- no, no. My other top two is even Glorious Bastards and Dark Knight. Yeah. Oh, you do. Okay. They're two of the best. They, everything else kind of pales in comparison to these two these two opening scenes. I think it's two of the best. It's like it, like first off, it's fantastic. Dark Knight is almost like a movie in itself. I almost want to see yeah. the rest of that movie. I almost want to see that bank robbery, almost like a Dog Day Afternoon, but with those guys. Oh, that would have been yeah. so cool. Which one do you want to do first? What? Which one do you want to? Uh, we can do. Let's do. What, what do you want to do? Well, let's do Dark Knight because okay, Inglorious Bastards might edge it out for me a little bit. Okay, as I far agree. as because I think it's I think it's more dramatic. I think whatever, but. Dark Knight. This is this is where it comes to the line that I wanted to say earlier. William Fickner, who's like an established actor, this is how much people want to be involved in Christopher Nolan movies. He just plays the bank manager yep, of great. the mob bank. Yeah. And then at one point during the robbery, he shoots out the glass with a sawed-off shotgun and tries to go after them. And he go, and then he says one of the best things ever. He goes, "Well, just the way he says it, it's so badass." He goes, 
He goes, do you know where you're robbing from? You and your friends are dead. <laughs> it's so great. Just the picture of how he says it. He is it. good. You and your friends are dead. Anyway, that scene is so cool to me. It's Just great. The way I've never saw anything like place. that before. Me neither. It's me neither. like a bank heist. Well, it's also a bank heist. Like, you know, you want to do, like, all right, the rest of the movie is, is so fantastic also. People try to shit on it now, like 10 years later. Oh, please. It's I know. fucking brilliant. It's, it's great. Exactly. But the one, of the, one of the things is this about that opening scene is that bank heist movies are usually like, hey, these bank heist guys are in it. They're part of a team, right? And, and, then this, and then this opening is like, wow, this—the Joker. You don't realize it's—it's it's, he's with them the whole time. Yep. At first, it just—you don't even know what's going on yet. You have no idea what's they going. They kind of lay the scene. They go, I don't know. Just heard about the job. Is just you know. Yeah. Report here, do whatever. And then he goes, when they hear about the guy who planned it, the Joker? And then they tell, they start talking right. about him. But I think when you first see the movie, I don't think I thought that he was with them on the ride. No, no, not no. At all. Not at all. You don't think at all. They allude to the fact that he organized it, but he's not there. But it's basically... Your boss this, just told me to meet here. What else did he say? And that's when he goes, also told me to kill you when your job was done. Well, yeah. And then they jump into it. Which is such a... I had never thought... Uh, of that or I never would have thought of that I never would have seen that coming a mile away and it, the first time you see it you go that's fucking awesome that's awesome it's so ruthless you never saw it in a movie before um, it does it, 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 it can help you create the perfect crime yeah. so if you get it down to where there's nobody left but you you're like yeah I'll see ya and, but like everything timed out so no it's a movie but I mean it's everything timed out so perfectly yeah, I mean, up until the last thing where he goes no 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 I kill the bus driver right. and then the bus driver comes in and then he uh and then he pulls out right into the mix of all the school buses going coming home from school. It was like perfect, perfect. And not to mention it, the string holding all the pin that yes. the grenades. So that's and that's supposed Brilliant to be movie. though he has that he has the grenade in William Fichtner's mouth. That's poisonous gas, I'm guessing, right? Like he kills him or he knocks like knocks him out. Oh, I always him. thought they were grenades. I don't know. Good no, because when he when the string pulls it, smoke comes out. So I don't uh, know. If maybe it's a gag. smoke bumps. Maybe it's maybe maybe it's a gag. Huh. Either way, yeah, and then it just jumps right or into he, the line with the other school buses. Yeah, it's fucking great. Yeah. And it's just, it gives you a great introduction to the character. It's, like I said, it's, a, it's like a TV show in itself, because it's such a cool... It's fantastic. Pacing, everything is beautiful. Perfect. They have the, um, even the opening shot is so amazing. It's the, oh, it's the Joker. Great sweeping. It's the Joker holding, even though he has paint on his face, holding the mask backwards in his hand. They... They don't show you his head. They just show you from like the neck down, and then like from the from behind. And then the sound is perfect. The, the, the you know, it's like everything pulls. Everything sh- the shots are perfect in the thing. Yeah, and like that's what I mean. There's so many. There's so many sequences in that movie. They're so cool. One of the ones somebody ripped apart was the taking. Um, Aaron Eckhart to jail, taking uh, Harvey Dent. Harvey Dent to jail. That scene, they said editing wise, it's all over the place. It's not. It's no good. Well, I didn't. And I, I didn't notice either. I thought it looked. I thought it looked really cool. I actually, Especially when I they flipped that, the eighteen wheeler. I love that scene when it's just him with his head out of the window and there's no. It's mute. It's, yes, it's yeah, it's and, really it's cool. Beautiful, he just does these tricks. You go, God, God yeah. damn it! Even even the whole idea where he and he's in the truck, the eighteen wheeler, with that weird cowboy guy, and he's like, I guess I got everything myself. And he like, excuse me, and he like pushes yeah. the dead body over, and you're like, even that guy, you're like, was he in it with them or he just like. I think so. I mean, he was. That's yeah. why, like, where did he find this weird cowboy guy? Like, I don't know. I always think of that when I watch it. I'm like, <laughs> oh, so he was part of the crew, and then he just died in the crash or whatever happened, you know? I, yeah, don't you just, like, yeah, laughter and slaughter. And yeah. Then, don't you, like, get jealous when stuff aligns up like that? 
That's so Perfect. good. It's like sometimes when you, you know, as a joke writers, you see, you go, oh, that was right there, and you just go, that's just such a nice stroke of. Oh, just brilliance well, and personal luck touch, coming together. Yeah. And th- but that whole scene, that whole chase scene is great. But the opening scene, like if you don't watch that opening scene and you're not psyched to watch the rest of that movie, you have no feelings about movies. Like that opening scene that sets everything so perfectly. Yeah. You're like oh, what? Because you don't know what it is. Because to be honest, it's 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 basically a cold open. Actually, actually it's not a cold open because they steal the money and that's how he talks to the other mob bosses. Right. Whatever. But it's not a cold open. <laughs> but it's a, kind of a non-secretary. It's it's kind of a thing where they don't they don't revisit the robbery later on. They, you know, whatever it is. Now we're talking about it so I'm like, ah, maybe, does this one edge out? Glorious Bastards 3? <laughs> <laughs> no, and I'll tell you why. Okay. And the other one is in Glorious Bastards like uh-huh. we said. It's a very uh, opening scene. And to me... In the French countryside. It, it's... I think it's the most... Um, uh, the most Tarantino thing without being the most Tarantino thing I've ever seen in my life. Where Can we say both of these guys introduces us really to Christoph Waltz, who yes, one best supporting actor as well as Heath Ledger, also one best supporting actor. Yeah, good point. Both, yeah, both these roles, absolutely. As Hans Landa, and if you want to talk about the like the most tension built in an opening scene I've ever seen, uh, hey, you just know this poor people are doomed. And you don't know the the reveal that the Jewish family is under the underneath the, the the house is when you see that you're like oh like you get uncomfortable you get so uh, uncomfortable watching it you get sad you get uncomfortable it's 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 like once again it's like a movie he in itself is fucking brilliant and Christoph Waltz is so good the way he is that character yeah. you just go I fucking hate this guy yeah but goddamn, do I respect that acting role that, that oh, guy he's playing it's so much fun to he watch he is such an asshole and you know and who I love the the guy he's talking to the father yeah. of the family that's yep. harboring the Jewish family that guy I guess he's some French actor I don't know who he is he's amazing too he's great yeah. he's so deadpan the entire time uh-huh. and then he doesn't even speak that much but then when he, when it's all revealed oh, that they're here right and to tell me where they are and he just starts crying it's per- perfect yeah. it's a perfectly acted perfectly executed uh, opening scene with the most tension I've ever seen in an opening scene like like once again that could be it's own movie that could like, yeah. that could have been it's own like that could have been a culmination scene in a totally different movie. I know. You know what I'm saying? And then then, then the whole thing starts and it, it becomes about the Inglorious Bastards, but uh, it like, introdu- introduces you to the villain perfectly. Yep. Um, and it's, you don't know... You, Would once, you say it's his movie? Walt? Yeah, Christoph Waltz's movie? Yeah, I think he's the standout. I think he's, he's definitely the standout. He was, but but he, I mean, it, it, it's a bad. Yeah, I think it's more about his travels. Right. It's not about them. It's kind of they're kind of peripheral. Exactly. Yeah, you're right. I mean, Brad Pitt is obviously the leader, but it's if you think about the movie as a whole, fo- you're not following them around. There's only really like one big scene with the bastards, and that's when they're in, you introduce them of who they are. And they carve, you know, the the swastika. Yeah, that's the only time you really see them all together. Other than that, you have the basement scene with the actress. Uh, you have you just have them in pieces. Yep. You it's, have it's not like a cohesive group war movie where we're gonna take we're taking over these camps, right. we're taking over these these Nazis. And I don't know if I'm right about this, but Christoph Waltz might have the most screen time because he's got the opening. He's got the scene with Shoshana in the with Frederick Zoller when they meet with the, Goebbels. They eat the cake. Yeah, they when they, the, yeah. Oh god, when it's, they eat the strudel. I mean, he's so goddamn good. When that scene's going on, every scene you're like, this fucking yeah, <laughs> yeah. Every scene, it's that scene filled. The strudel scene. Does he know who she is? I I don't think so. Don't think so yet. 
But it's such a good But I watched it again and I'm like it's only four years later with the Au revoir Shoshana Yeah <laughs> <laughs> It's such a creepy fucking thing It's great and She's running She's covered in blood yeah, But then right? the thing is, is Is because he makes Does he though Because he makes The deal at the end You know it, So it's like I don't know It's a very gray Good I'm debate. Not, Good debatable. I, it's debatable. I I don't I don't think he. I'm leaning does. that way too. I'm thinking. I don't think he does. But I think it's like uh, you, you wonder why though because he's, he's so astute and he's so observant. Yeah. Why wouldn't he? I, like, I think so. It's one of those things where it's like. Well, I mean, he never. Yeah, he only got a look at her from. Oh no, I guess not. I guess he did see them all the daughters in the house. So it wasn't that he just saw her from afar running away. No, he. So he, he didn't definitely see the house. No, he said the, the three lovely daughters are in the he's, house. He's talking about the French guy's daughters, not the... Not yeah, the, that's who she is. No, sure. she was the, from the part of the Jewish family. That was oh, you're it. right. You're totally right. I'm sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, no, she wasn't part of the... Of course. Yeah. That was like the three other so, girls. So, yeah, she didn't see her face up close. He didn't see her face. That's, that's what okay. it is. So, he didn't... I got whatever. confused for a second. But as far as... I as to do... Also, the shot of through the door, the through the door shot where it's, it's dark on the one side, light on the other, is such a cool looking... It almost reminds me of like there was, it was an old I think it's like a, um I forget there's some novel, and the cover of the novel has that it's like this like countryside with a girl and she's the, the whole thing reminds me of that I, I, I'll find out huh. what it is but they have they have a couple different shots of when I think when he's come when the when they're all coming in or they shoot it for on the other side of the door is light and then right behind it is the dark of the inside of the cabin yeah and it's such a cool looking shot because it, it frames. Her running at the end, and then him going, walking up and going, Oh, Shoshana! <laughs> but, yeah, he's terrifying. He's evil. He's terrifying. You already hate him because he's a Nazi. Yep. Uh, so, on top you of that, wonder. knowing that this guy, at first, you're like, oh, he's good. This guy's good. This guy's a rock. That guy who played the dad, the French dad, this guy's a rock. This guy's not giving up shit. Yep. He's he's so cool. He's, he's can I smoke my pipe? Yeah, have some more milk. I'll have milk. Like, he's a rock. <laughs> and then, sure enough, he's like... Yeah, we're not gonna we're not gonna stop. Like we're gonna be around here until you tell us that you. Yeah, yeah. And he, he was knows. like, and then he's like afraid for his family, probably. And such a cool fucking scene. It's great. And then that's it. That that that's all. That's you know, it's like one of the best scenes in the movie, and it's in the first. You know, he's got good openers, man. He's got good openers. He's got good openers. Every they say even somebody. T- I have to look at this. There's a video about about uh, Jackie Brown that apparently the whole that. It's spe- her whole thing is spelt out in the opening. I think it's about her smuggling the drugs. I admittedly don't know Jackie Brown well enough. Jackie Brown's a fun movie. It's fun to watch. It's long, but it's a cool movie. Yeah. It's great when, when when De Niro shoots Bridget Fonda in the parking lot. Yeah, yeah. Lewis. Oh, I had such a crush on her in that movie. Where's the car, Lewis? He's like, really? Stop, stop, stop. Well, and speaking of long, I know we're going. We long. went way overboard. Yes. Sorry, uh, everybody. Hopefully, you stuck with us because it was just such a, a fun topic. And please, this is obviously so arbitrary and subjective. Write us in and tell us your favorite movie openings. Defend your opening. Uh, we'd love to hear them. Uh, we'll address some on a future show. Uh, we you can reach us. At at Defend Your Movie on Twitter. And uh, as always, thank you for listening. Please rate, subscribe, and tell a friend for for the love of Jeff, will you? That's the word. <laughs> for the love of Jeff. 
Tell everybody about it. Tell your friends to listen. You know, uh, yes. Write to us on Twitter, like like Andy said. Let us know what you think about the opening scenes that we picked. Matchups you want to hear? My number one is Inglorious Bastards. I don't know. I don't know any other movie has a scene like that. There's probably some obscure one that yeah. that uh, Tarantino based it on. I'm sure <laughs> we left off a ton where we'd kick ourselves for going. Sure. Oh, we're What's rough. your What would you defend? What's your favorite Fendi. opening scene? Let us know. Uh, Andy, t- Twitter. What are you? Uh, you can follow me at Andy Fiore. That is A N D Y F I O R. I, uh, you just plug my name in all the socials uh, at that handle, and Instagram and Facebook and Twitter will pop up. And that is my website as well, andyfury.com, and you can see all my tour dates on there. And uh, if you are in the West Coast vicinity of Las Vegas, come and see me and Shawnee time. Yeah, starting Monday. Monday, Monday night, two August shows a night. August 19th. We'll be there for a week. It's, it's in the Rio. If you're in the area, come by, say hello. Yep. We'll buy you a drink. We'll hang out. Uh, if you're to tell, let us know you're a defender. You got the meats and the potatoes. And it's going to be blessed, so definitely come by. Anything else? Anything? Oh, uh, I'm at Shawnee Time on Twitter, at Shawnee Time on Instagram. Uh, I'm going to Vegas with Andy, and then when I come back, I go to Chicago, but I'll mention that next week. And yeah, just just like like Andy said, subscribe, tell your friends. Let's, let's get the word out about the podcast. Thanks so much, everybody. Defenders, until next time, adios. Adios. Adios.